Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another Holtcast preview. It's been quite a while since I last hosted a preview, but I had to make sure I made time to talk about arguably the most talked about game in the Premier League this weekend. Both teams on unstoppable form should make for a blockbuster affair. And as always, a blockbuster affair requires a blockbuster guest. And that's why I'm delighted to welcome the Athletics' Chris, Chris Woff. How are you, mate? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Excited for this weekend, especially. Now, let's get straight into it. Newcastle, third, 56 points this season. Villa, sixth on 47 points. If I had said that at the start of the season, you probably wouldn't have believed me, would you? No, definitely not. I mean, Newcastle, the target was to not be anywhere near the relegation zone. We'd have a comfortable season, top 10, have no threat of of demotion as they have done for, for so long. And they have massively exceeded expectations and that they now are in the top three looking comfortable in that position and really it's it's actually in their hands to finish the Champions League position from this position it would actually be a disappointment if they don't and then for Villa I mean even just a few months ago when you when you looked at that situation when Steven Gerrard was there I certainly didn't think that they would have an outside chance of, of finishing the top six or two extremely resurgent clubs at the moment. Now, we all sort of knew when Newcastle's new owners came in that these would be the ambitions for them once they came into the club. But it all seemed to happen so quickly and not as much money as people thought you'd spend straight away. Is that down to, Eddie, how simply transforming the culture around the club? Is there any explanation as to your sudden explosion? I mean, there are a few factors involved in it. And part of it is is the money that Newcastle spent. I mean, they have spent £250 million across three transfer windows and that has undoubtedly aided them but it's not the levels that Chelsea have spent or even relative to the levels that Man City spent initially or Chelsea spent initially post their takeovers what's also been good about the money they've spent is that they've spent it wisely there hasn't really been any wastage in what they've what they've spent the money on which is very rare but really largely it is down to, to Eddie Howe and he's improved so many players I mean more than half of Regular starting lineups are players he inherited, who someone like Joel Linton, who was a laughing stock number nine, is now arguably one of the best box to box midfielders in, in the Premier League. Um, Fabian Cher, who couldn't get in the team previously, was seen as a liability defensively, is, is a mainstay in the best defence in the Premier League at the moment. Uh, Sean Longstaff, you can just name so many players who have improved, and then also the ones who they've brought in have added that additional quality and, and know how. Kieran Trippier has transformed them right back. Uh, Bruno Gamaraes gives him so much quality in midfield. And then Nick Pope has been a surprise package in terms of to sign Burnley's, relegated Burnley's goalkeeper. And he's been a revelation in so many ways. And then obviously Alexander Isak up front as well. Newcastle uh, really, uh, they talk internally about alignment and there is very much an aligned vision in terms of what they're trying to do. Uh, they've had some luck along the way as, as you need, but equally They've made the correct decisions. They've backed Eddie Howe um, and they really have 
found a way to to play that suits them and which is disrupting other sides in the Premier League. And it's worked extremely well for them for the majority of the season. Now, let's stay on the topic of Eddie Howe. Like like you said, completely completely transformed the club since he came in. Obviously, you were linked with Unai Emery before that, and we'll come on to that a bit later on. But just how good does it feel to have Eddie Howe at your club? What is what is the ceiling for Eddie Howe at Newcastle? I'm not sure there is a ceiling for Eddie Howe at Newcastle. I think that when he first came in, there was a lot of people who suggested he was Newcastle's Mark Hughes, looking at Manchester City's situation, where it's someone who's basically bridging the gap before someone else comes in. And even from an early stage, from sort of February 2022, when he'd only been there four months, he'd only won a few matches, already the owners were sort of talking about Eddie Howe could be Arthur Alex Ferguson, and that, that's a very bold thing to say, and it's a very easy thing to say. But I think they saw the sort of long-term vision that he also had for the club. And, I mean, he stayed at Bournemouth, and he was a very much a club builder. And that's what Newcastle wanted, because although they are given this moniker of the quote-unquote richest club in the world, and in theory, their majority owners, Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, have access to more money than anyone else, A, they couldn't spend that even if they wanted to because of financial fair play regulations, and B, that was never the plan to begin with. They were going to, they're going to invest, but they also wanted to be organic growth. They wanted to be a sustainable club, and so they need a manager who's going to maximise the resources they've already got and also the ones who they do sign, because that was the issue under the Meg Ashley era, in my opinion, is he had this idea of of, of buying on young players to, to potentially with sell-on value to improve, and I didn't necessarily have an issue with that model, but to do that, really, you need a coach who's going to make sure that you get the maximum out of them for that to work. And he, he never did that. He never invested in the correct coaches. And Eddie Howe was very successful at Bournemouth. The, he very unfairly got labelled as the guy who took Bournemouth down by the previous Newcastle United uh, manager. And he also was seen as someone who was mainly just attacking football. Bournemouth had conceded more than 60 goals in every single Premier League season he had been there at. And yet... He was coming into a club who'd conceded a club record, sorry, a Premier League record number of goals for calendar year in 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 twenty twenty one and eighty goals in forty six games, I think it was. And he's transformed that. He set about building them from the back while also making sure they scored more goals. They played a very simple style last year with Chris Wood up front, who he brought in in the January window, and that worked very successfully. And then he's completely transformed them this year, so that they are very front foot, high press. And he just extracts so much out of his players, and he, I think he, he is he improves players beyond recognition. Players who were, were laughing stocks previously, previously at Newcastle, players who had lost their way, and I do think that there will undoubtedly be bumps along the road. Um, expectation levels rise, and that, and, and he'll have to deal with that. And I, I wasn't sure how he'd deal with managing such a high-profile club where um, there is also so much scrutiny on you, given he'd come from from Bournemouth, where he'd been a a player, very highly regarded player, yet he come to Townside and he's managed that really, really well, despite being really an introvert. And I think that he has so much potential to grow with Newcastle and I just hope he is given the time, as the suggestion is, that he will be because I think he will make mistakes, but he will also learn from them. He's so committed to everything that he does. He came back determined to be a better manager. He clearly is a better manager and I still think there's growth to go and I think he is one of the most promising managers in Europe. I mean, I completely agree with you, especially when you talk about the pressure he had of managing Newcastle, because that's something that he hadn't yet had to deal with in his career. Now, you see all this scrutiny of English managers in the press, and Eddie Howe has really gone against the book with that. He seems to be the anomaly within that, the one that is really 
pushing himself and is really succeeding at his club. You obviously saw the work that he put in when he left Bournemouth before he took a job. He wanted to make sure it was the right one. So just how much has it surprised you at all, his success, or could you really see it when he came in? It has surprised me. I did think he was a good appointment given the situation Newcastle were in because it was almost not the impossible job, but a very, very difficult job everyone was walking into because they were coming into this newly labelled, quote-unquote, richest club in the world, which, as I've already suggested, was not necessarily the case. But with this huge expectation, with the controversial ownership that Newcastle have, he was coming in at a time where there was so much optimism because the takeover had happened, but also Newcastle hadn't won a game. They were bo- they were in the bottom three in the Premier League. They only won one of his first 10 matches. And as I say, when he first came in, I had the same idea of him that he was the focus had been on attacking football and Newcastle, in my opinion, to survive, were going to need to to make sure they kept people out of the back. His first game was a 3-3 chaotic draw at home against Brentford. And at that point, it felt like a game Newcastle had to win. And there was a lot of sort of frustration after that. And where do they go from here? And then they had Norwich not long after, uh, where they had a player sent off early on. That was sort of the emergence of Joel Linton as, as a midfielder in that game. But they only drew that. Another sort of missed opportunity really at home. And so I I did have my doubts. Not that I I thought he was a good. I didn't think he was a good manager. I just didn't know how quickly he would be able to achieve what he wanted to in Newcastle and whether he would get the time to be able to do that. Because it's all well and good new ownership coming in and talking about giving a manager time. We've seen that at Chelsea with 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 Graham Potter. But at, at the end of the day, you need results to back you up. And I think that Howe realised that at that point in mid January last year. They went to Leeds away and won 1-0 and he still talks about that as being the turning point because the players had bought into what he wanted to do but results hadn't followed and if, if results hadn't come quickly at that stage I think that then he would have encountered a lot of issues because then the players started to doubt whether his methods actually do work but instead he got that by and the results picked up and they've just gone from strength to strength from there so he has exceeded my expectations and I generally haven't dealt with them, having watched him work close quarters, having spoken to the people who've worked with them, players who work under him, speaking to the players at Newcastle now, it's sort of night and day from what came before. And I do think that this, there is no ceiling to what he can potentially achieve at Newcastle. I do see him as being someone who can grow with the club, which in many ways is the sort of head coach that they needed. Yeah, 100%. And we've we've talked about the manager. So I want to turn our attentions to Alexander Isaac. He, in the first part of the season, I think it's fair to say he had his fair share of critics. Um, however, in recent weeks, it seems as though he's really proving himself to be the striker that you needed him to be, whether that is up front on his own or playing alongside Callum Wilson, as we saw against Brentford. How is he going to breach a Villa defence that haven't conceded at Villa Park since February? Yeah, I mean, the first half of the season was frustrating for him because he made his debut at Anfield, scored, had a goal disallowed, looked brilliant. And then he got injured at National Duty in September, hurt his thigh, re-injured his thigh, and Newcastle fans didn't see him again until after the World Cup break. And so that was the one sort of signing when Newcastle have gone and made a club record uh, signing there. And it looked like, hmm, has this quite worked out? And now he's fully regained his fitness and his confidence. He just looks absolutely electric. He... he brings something different to Newcastle. He fits so much into Eddie Howe, sort of high press, leading that intensity up front. He's technically very good. He's sort of a modern, quote-unquote, number nine. That's how Alan Shearer describes him 
uh, on the athletic in a, in a piece recently. Someone who's not he's not sort of a typical centre forward so much as he can play anywhere across the front line. He can do so many rules. He can run in behind. He can hold it up. He can link up play. He can score all sorts of goals. And I think that. I mean, him and Callum Wilson, given Callum Wilson's recent form after being very poor for for a few months after the World Cup, he's picked up again. And so he will want to to start at Villa Park. But I do think it is likely to be Isak. And what he brings and where I think he really affect the Villa defence is that he runs such clever lines on and off the ball. He's very good at coming outside to in or inside to out. And he has such electric pace. The, the only player, and I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Erling Haaland in terms of goals, but in terms of when you see these players live, every time I say Isak, just like every time I say Haaland, there's this ability to pass the ball, swivel, and and from a standing start, move quicker than I, I can comprehend a striker doing. And he's exactly like that. And it's very, very difficult to stop him. So he's in such a rich vein of form at the moment. He's, he's scoring with just about every single opportunity he gets. He's causing defences problems. And so I'm sure that Unai Emery and Villa will be will be looking at, at Isak and trying to work out how they can try and stop him because not many sides have been able to do so in recent weeks because even when he isn't scoring, he's the one who's creating space for others and, and they are profiting from that. No, definitely one to watch out for for Villa's back line this week. Another player I want to touch on just before we move on to Villa is Anthony Gordon. He came in in January and again, I think it's fair to say there's been a lot made of his move and a lot. I don't know whether you saw the video of him being brought off against Brentford at the weekend. What have you made of Anthony Gordon so far and where do you think he can go in this Newcastle team? Gordon's story is similar to a certain extent with Isak that he's been affected by injuries. He arrived and wasn't fully fit. Then he makes his first start at Manchester City goes clean through on goal, trips over his ankle, which it turns out he then injures. And then he, he he was out for a few weeks after that. He's starting to try and regain that fitness, comes on. He's had a few exciting cameos in terms of he's certainly someone who you can see his pace. He's very good at pressing. He's aggressive, uh, physical, which is what Eddie Howe likes in his, in his players. But then he comes on at halftime at Brentford, gets withdrawn in the 94th minute, uh, basically to waste time. And, and he didn't react particularly well to that. I didn't think it was a great sort of, uh, the, the the images weren't weren't particularly brilliant. I think Howe's dealt with that with that. Well, it's frustration from a player. He sort of understands that, but sort of air your air your frustrations behind the scenes. You don't need to do that publicly. And I think that Gordon has a lot of expectation on given the price tag. Newcastle paid forty five million pounds. Uh, sorry, forty million pounds up front could could rise to forty five million pounds. They've paid that in one lump sum payment. He was obviously heavily linked last summer with Chelsea and, and Spurs. And he's someone who I think in terms of raw statistics, they probably don't justify the sort of hype and, and price tag that there is around him. But there's a reason why a lot of clubs really liked him. And Newcastle, Dan Ashworth, the sporting director, and Eddie Howe were both convinced that he was the sort of player that they wanted and needed. Athletic, can lead the press, uh, physical, has huge room for improvement can score goals, but needs to add more, needs to add more assists and, and really has such room for growth. And being English, obviously, that brings its own premium as well. So I don't think uh, it's been the sort of absolutely blistering start he would have wanted to his Newcastle career, but there have been cameos here and there. And once he regains his fitness, I do think that a full pre-season behind him is what he needs. I'm not sure we'll see the best of Anthony Gordon between now and the summer. I think he needs those few weeks in, in in July to really work with Eddie Howe, to get to know what he wants from him, to get his body fully fit, 
And if and when he does, I think uh, I think there is huge room for growth of them, and I think he can be a big player for them. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now, the last player I'd like to touch on from a Newcastle perspective, maybe hasn't got the same mentions about him or hasn't been in the limelight as much, but frankly, for Villa fans who maybe haven't watched as much of Newcastle, Obviously, we made a transfer to you, I think it was last year, if I remember correctly, Matt Target coming in at left back. How's he fared since he made the move across from Villa Park? Well, in the second half of last season, when he initially came on loan, he did he did very well. Um, and Newcastle have had long-term issues at left back. They haven't really had someone, uh, or they hadn't had someone who could, who could fill in that role particularly well. And, and he came in and just showed... And this this sounds like a, a negative. It's not really, but he showed competence, the ability to come in and actually uh, do the basics that that you need from fullback, and also to get forward and, and provide some crosses, take a lot of set pieces without actually creating massive amount of chances. But he, he did very well, and certainly defensively he helped stabilize Newcastle. Again, he started the season and, and then suffered illness and injury. And Sven Botman's arrival last summer saw. Dan Byrne move out to left back when Newcastle played Fulham in, in October when Target was injured. And since then, he basically hasn't been able to get back into the team. Dan Byrne is someone who Eddie Howe values for his leadership skills, for his experience, for what he brings on the pitch. He's a Geordie. And Matt Target suffered because of that. I also think, well, I also know that that, that there was sort of deliberation before Newcastle enacted the clause in Matt Target's contract to, to make the deal permanent because... They ideally would like a similar sort of figure to Kieran Trippier on the other side, which is basically someone who can create a lot more from fullback. And that's not necessarily what Matt Target brings. Uh, but but they realized they weren't going to be able to do all of what they wanted to do last summer. And so they decided to exercise that clause. I do think going forward, Newcastle, while they are looking at, at left back options and what that means for Matt Target beyond this season, I'm not entirely sure. But he has, every time he's played for Newcastle, he's never let them down. He's been a very solid addition. I just don't think he's necessarily been one of these standout signings post-takeover. Uh, post well, you you can't all be perfect, can you? I think you've had enough successful transfers. One's got to not go so well eventually. Now, let's turn our attention to Villa slightly for this one. Uh, we previously mentioned him. Unai Emery was linked to Newcastle, obviously, before Eddie Howe came in. From a neutral perspective, what have you made from his return to the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, Newcastle really did go for Unai Emery. They, they had a long list of targets, around 20 managers who they spent a long time running through after they decided to get rid of Steve Bruce. 
it came down to a final two of Howe against Emery, and although the board was split, the decision was to go for Emery, mainly because of his of the trophies he's won and his experience at the top level. And they thought they had an agreement in place. The story leaked on the eve of Villarreal playing young boys in the Champions League. That gave Villarreal the opportunity to to try and convince Emery to stay. He got cold feet, pulled out, and Newcastle eventually went for Howe. Now, in hindsight, I don't think Newcastle regret any of that because of how it's worked out with uh, how, but I also think that what's happened at Villa sort of in many ways vindicates Newcastle's pursuit of, of Emery as well, because it's almost been very similar to what happened with Eddie Howe during the second half of last season, uh, which is that he came in, improved players, galvanised a club, gave them more of a direction, gave them more of a style of play that that that, that was really focused, found a way to, to really upset oppositions, improve the defence, and that's exactly what Unai Emery has done at Villa. And so I sort of see the similar, even though they're different managers, you can see the similarities in what, in, I suppose, in terms of what they can do at clubs and beyond. And I think he's, I think he's a very good manager. Obviously, Arsenal, I know, has sort of muddied his, his reputation in the UK, but his record elsewhere has, has, has been outstanding. And it wasn't like he did a bad job at Arsenal. It didn't end particularly well, but it was he, he maybe feels he should have had more time there. Um, and I know that the the sort of communication issue is has been labelled as, excuse me, as one, and, and maybe that is something which is a bit of a drawback from compared to other managers. But I think in terms of the way that he can manage a team, the way that he can tactically set them up, the way that he can oversee one-off games, particularly in knockout competitions, I don't think there are many better managers. And it, it, I think it's great to see him back in the Premier League because I do think he is one of the best. No, I completely agree. And you mentioned the similarities between Howe and Emery. And we spoke about how Eddie Howe has managed to galvanise Alexander Isaac. Well, Emery has done just the same with Ollie Watkins. Since Emery came in, he's played 16, scored 10 and got three assists. And from his form under Gerrard, that looked almost alien to to consider that. Again, the, the transformation has been... Well, ridiculous to put it quite lightly. Um, are you worried about Ollie Watkins and the threat that he poses this weekend? Uh, without doubt, yeah. I mean, I've seen a few of Villa's matches recently, and he just seems to be one of those strikers in form who, even when he doesn't hit shots particularly well, it's, it's, I think we saw that in the in his last game where he sort of just toe pokes. Oh, sorry, the couple of games ago when he just toe pokes it past the keeper, but he he just has a way at the moment where where it's really working out for him. He, He's someone who I, I know that when Newcastle signed Callum Wilson, they were also very interested in Ollie Watkins when Villa went from. We saw that summer where they were both looking at one another. And Watkins was seen as like the younger version of that. And Newcastle couldn't really compete financially with Villa at that stage. It was still under Mike Ashley. And I spoke to people uh, at Brentford high up who absolutely raved about Watkins and, and what he is and what he brings. And, and it, the, basically, the, the, again, the ceiling that he had. And, and maybe he lost his way a little bit. But you can see he's got the raw component parts there. He, he's physical, he's quick, he's tactically clever, and he, he can finish. And, and you now th- those parts are being added together, and he's in he's in a rich vein of form. And Newcastle's defence has been the strongest in the Premier League this season, but they have struggled in, in recent weeks against strikers of a similar ilk, or at least with relatively similar traits. Ivan Tony created a lot of issues for them, Marcus Rashford has done as well. That sort of pace, the ability to run in behind, but also to hold up the ball a little bit and create a bit, be a bit of a physical presence. I think that Newcastle will be very wary of that, and they'll know they need to cut the supply lines to Watkins because if he gets half a chance, he's he's going to have a very good opportunity to score given his recent form. 
I think it's fair to say you've probably watched more Newcastle than any of our listeners have this season. So my question is tailored around that. And if for some bizarre reason you were to be asked to take the place of Unai Emery this weekend, put your loyalties aside and become Villa manager to take on Newcastle, knowing the knowledge of the opposition that you do, how would you set the Villa team up to best get a result against our opponents this weekend? I would definitely not play it out from the back. Uh, Teams have tried to play it out from the back and play through Newcastle's press in that way. And although between sort of maybe January and February in the league, Newcastle physically looked a little bit drained. And so the press wasn't quite as intense as it was previously. They've come back with a vengeance now. They are where they were in the first half of the season, if not even better with it. Isak's added an extra element there. And so many of their goals recently have come from pouncing on the ball in the opposition half. Man United did it at St. James's Park. David De Gea did not look comfortable at all. Isak pushes forward. Eventually, Joe Willock scores. They did the same at West Ham, where they forced a mistake from Aguard uh, when when Murphy presses them and Callum Wilson scores. Newcastle are dogged in their determination. They know when to press. They they have the right triggers, and I think that if if Villa try to play out too much, then they will be exploited for that. Teams who've who've done better against Newcastle are the ones who try to beat the press in other ways. But Brentford during the first half, they went long uh, flick-ons from Ivan Tony's second balls to Sharda running through. And, and it really disrupted Newcastle. Newcastle didn't quite know how to deal with it to begin with. And they only settled into the match once how completely changed things at half-time, changed the formation. And actually, rather than stop Brentford from playing. They basically just kept the ball and played in a different sort of way and, and and posed questions of Brentford. And I think that that's what Villa need to do. I'm not saying I'm not saying completely long ball, but I do think that you need to try and cut out the press because if you try to play too short, this Newcastle side are in too good a form and, and they will score goals against you. That's really interesting to hear because Villa have been persisting with playing it out the back recently. And obviously every team can can make a mistake when you do that. But It'll be interesting to see whether Emery realises that and tries to adjust or whether he believes that our defence are good enough to be able to cope. That could make for a really interesting tactical battle. Now, normally I always ask for a score prediction before we end and I try to come up with some facts about the previous games um, to almost help with that uh, and to justify it. However, looking at our obviously reverse fixtures and fixtures played before that. It is interesting to me how similar Villa and Newcastle really are. Villa haven't won away at St. James's Park since what feels like the Stone Ages. And when looking at Newcastle's record at Villa Park, it's just as bad. Not winning there since 2013 when you won 2-1. And I think it was Gufran scored the winner with about 15 minutes to play. With that being said, Obviously, both teams on incredible form at the moment. Could you could you pick out a score for this weekend? I think this is a very, very tough test for Newcastle. As you say, Villa Park's not been a happy away ground for them. This is a very different Newcastle side. But I do think, given that they've won five straight matches, they're probably giving themselves a little bit of leeway to, to not necessarily have to win next weekend. I'm not saying they won't be good. Eddie Howe will be targeting a victory. But I think if you push me, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. I think it'll be an entertaining game. I think it'll be a very interesting tactical battle between two managers who are really getting the best out of their players. And yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Would you take a draw? Would you be happy with that? Yeah, I would be happy with that. As a, because because Newcastle have, have won the five straight matches, they've won two away games back-to-back at West Ham and Brentford. 
um, to to put themselves in this strong position in the Champions League uh, places. I do think a draw at Villa Park, given Villa's form, would be a very good result. Now, a, a win would be wonderful, and I'm not seeing it's it's beyond them, and that's what Hell will be targeting. But a draw anywhere in the Premier League is 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 a good result. But I think at Villa Park right now, I think it'd be a very good result. It's interesting you say that because we were we were covering the Newcastle game as all Villa pundits, and um, we all said if if offered a draw, then then we'd probably take it. I think both teams are quite wary of the opposition this weekend, which which could make for fantastic viewing. And that leads me on to the last question. We always like to ask a non-football related question, which gets passed down from guests between each episode. And the last person we had on was Sky Sports' Mark McAdam. And his question to you this episode is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, wow, that is a, that is an amazing question. Um, I think it would be to be able to time travel. And I would like to go back <laughs> and see Newcastle United actually win a trophy because they haven't won anything since 1969. And hopefully I'm not going to need to do that because hopefully we're going to win something soon. But uh, yes, I know so many people who my colleague George Colkin is into his 50s and isn't, throughout his lifetime, Newcastle still haven't won something. So yes, I think time travel to be able to go back and see that. Can I borrow that time travel machine and go back to 1982 where we won the European Cup? That would be that would be really nice. You'd be very welcome to, yes. <laughs> now, um, obviously, it's time for your non-related, non-football related question. So any question could be anything. And I, I literally mean anything. A few weeks ago, we had... Um, do you tuck your shirt into your underpants? So there really isn't a limit for this one for you. Uh, mine would be, what is the absolute ideal match day meal for whoever you're speaking to? What would they want on match day? What is the, what is the best meal they've had? I tell you, that that works really well because we haven't had that one before. So yes, no, that is perfect. Fits the billing. Easy. Perfect. Thank you. I think that's a good time to end it for today. Um, as always, a massive thank you, Chris, for joining me for this one. If you want to check out his twitter account it is chris d h woe at chris d h woe on twitter um if you want to check us out as well it is at 7500 to halt and i am at sebastian bacon eight a massive thank you for listening to this one and up the villa on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns